This is the Clutch Pick Sports Betting Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. As always, I'm joined by the score's lead betting analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. I gotta say, the vibes are still high. After two weeks, finished off week two, 11, 4, and 1. Bringing the season total to 22, 9, and 1. Against the spread, start the season. I hope kids get along for the ride with us here. Because we're riding high still. Mr. Matt Russell, how are you feeling after two weeks of this NFL season? Uh, great. Uh, week two, a lot better on the bank account than week one. Week one, I sort of kind of stumbled around to a small profit, whereas week two, we really got things cooking. But I'm going to interject here because you'll never say it, because part of it is kind of going behind the curtain, if you will, on you know, podcast recordings and all that sort of thing. But it is worth mentioning that, you know, you're grading your record on the picks that you give out. But this podcast Correct. came out Thursday morning last week. Right, which it does frequently, and you know, for those who don't sort of realize the the magic of podcasting, we record this on Wednesday afternoon. So when we give out the uh, Philadelphia minus six and a half, for example, if somebody's listening to the podcast and they go, "Oh, Shell's on minus six and a half," mm-hmm. they go to their sports book. There are no minus six and a halves to be found. There are only minus sixes, and right. even some minus five and a halves, depending on what at what point during the day. So if they're actually following you. And making bets based on the podcast, that record is actually 12, 3, and 2, or I should say 11, 3, and 2, or 12, 3, and 1. So you're actually undercutting yourself from a sort of true betting standpoint, which you kind of have to do because, you know, we're on the podcast and you and I were both sort of on the Eagles. Um, But yeah, there was some much better numbers available that people who listen to this podcast by the time they listen to this podcast would have uh, gotten a winner on on Thursday night. So don't sell yourself even, uh, you know, as much as we're sort of doing a victory lap, don't sell yourself short. Well, here's the thing, right? I I always stand by the real ones. No. So the real ones who yeah. listen to the pod and they're following along and they know one thing we'll get to for sure. Yeah. That Eagles game was crazy. I think when we recorded the pod last week, it was actually Eagles minus seven. Right. And so the way that that moves by the time the game starts and it's minus six, well, obviously we're going to be on that minus six. Now <laughs> that game was insane. And we'll get there when we get to, cause I'll sure. tie it into the, the pick for this Thursday night's game. But the lesson here is that what we try to do here is more about the conversation. Yes. I have the record. Yes. I have the bets, but the key is about the conversation and understanding what said line movement is because the Packers will be another game that we'll talk about because we'll reference what last week's line was when we talked on the pod and then the line movement that happened leading up to that game. And, you know, I'm going, I'm an honest gentleman. So I put up the line as, and keep the pick as what it was, as we discussed on the pod. And then the game happens. We'll discuss that real ones. know we keep the record here as, you know, kind of a gauge to keep the wave moving. And yeah, so far, so good i guess you know as as the kids say or do the kids say that or is that just something that i just said i said it as a more when i was a kid but that was so long ago that (laughs) yeah probably not something anybody says anymore uh so for the people that might be new to exactly what we do here we're talking about picks i will make a pick for each and every game as i'll at least let you know where i'm leaning i'll try to be, you know, upfront about I'm really confident in this game or uh, 
Don't feel too good about it. But the bottom line is, I'll make a pick. Matt then comes in with the information and education on where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going heading into kickoff. And the goal, as I keep saying, is to come out on the other side, at least with the more informed pick. I try to play the role of the viewer where I get to ask Matt some questions. Matt gets to convince me. And sometimes I listen foolishly. Sometimes I don't. And that's the show, right? <laughs> da -da -da. Um, as mentioned, yes, 11 and five start in week one, 11, four and one in week two. We'll definitely try to keep this wave moving as we start as always on Thursday night football. Giants at the Niners. Niners laying 10 points. I'm going to be honest here, and I'm going to remove my bias here as a Niners fan, okay? Trust me when I say that. Oh. I mentioned earlier already that I'm going to compare this to last week's game on Thursday night where you had a really good home team laying a lot of points at home, and we know how that game ended, right? We'll talk about it for sure, but the Eagles should have covered that game fairly easily why not go for two at some point i don't know but story for another day bottom line is the niners on thursday night short week but saquon's banged up don't know if saquon's gonna play but chances are probably not he matters more than most running backs i would say but on top of that even with saquon i'm gonna be honest here Niners defense is a problem. That'll be a problem for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones on the road. That will also be a problem for the, for the Giants against that Niners defense that continues to just, you know, put in work. My guy Brock Purdy, though, most important than not. I keep saying it. He just has to take care and share that rock. Everything will be all right for the Niners offense, as they pretty much should have covered 10 points last week. <laughs> which is another funny cover, which I'm sure we'll get to at another point. But either way, 10 points is a lot. It's a lot. But I'm okay with taking a good team at home, laying a lot of points on a Thursday night against a team that I don't think is that good. If I thought the Giants were decent, I thought the Giants were okay on a short week, I might be more tempted to, to take the points. But I'm not there with the Giants at all. So give me the Niners, laying 10. It's a lot. Yeah, I think if anybody thought the Giants were decent, this line would be a lot shorter, right? Like, isn't that kind of, that's kind of the point. But I mean, um, where the bet's going, where you're you laying know, the money. No, I understand that. Uh, so a couple of things here. So one, you know, the line here itself, right? It crept out to 10 and a half. And that was having seen Saquon Barkley's injury and just going, you know, it wasn't quite Nick Chubb level, but it was pretty like, oh God, like that, that, I don't know what's going on with the leg underneath that pile of humanity, but it can't be good. And then they're sort of like carrying them off the field. I'm with you. I just, I can't imagine them playing him. And so the line's 10 and a half and Brian Dable comes out and he's like, we're not ruling him out. You know, people heal in like different ways and like all of that sort of thing. And like my leg would do this and your leg would do that. And it's like, yeah, man. Or if you have a brain in your head, you sit like you're one of your franchise, you know, type players here. Right. I know he's a running back, you know, but still, uh, your point is well taken as far as like how uh, relative, imp relatively important he is. So I think what's going to happen here is he's going to get ruled out. Probably again, by the time you listen to this, maybe he already has been. And I think the line is going to pop back up to 10 and a half and may even go to 11. And I think at that point, that's when you bet the giants, because this giants team is that team who is going to be really annoying. And what happened uh, over the first what 
uh, three halves of the season where they're down 60 nothing <laughs> is they go in, you know, uh, you know, cumulatively, of course. Yeah. Uh, they go into halftime and Brian Dable has also denied. He's just he's just on on one this week. He's also denied that he was calling plays. Now, Brian Dable like made his chops, if you will, calling offensive plays, Buffalo, Alabama, et cetera, et cetera. And when your offense hasn't scored through six quarters, you're probably given that it's your sort of bread and butter. You're probably going to be like, you know what? Screw this, man. Like I'm calling the plays. Now, you're also not going to throw your offensive coordinator under the bus because what is he left to do if you're the guy calling the plays, right? That's a pretty significant downgrade. But, like, cameras caught him, like, looking awfully, <laughs> looking a lot like a guy who was calling plays. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so when you get down 60 to nothing over the first six quarters of your season, it's fair to say that things are not working. And so what they did instead was they, you know what? The last possible thing that we can do here. The last thing on our okay, you know, uh, break if uh, you know if there's a fire, we got to we got to break for the alarm, is throw the ball a ton with Daniel Jones. But the thing is, before the season started, there was a lot of like murmurs out of the Giants, you know, sort of camp and preseason that they were going to be a throw the ball a lot more, get the you know get things a little bit more wide open for Daniel Jones to use his legs. He had like fifty. Uh, plus yards running the football in the second half of that game but he also threw for like 250 yards at, in the second half of that game against the cardinals yeah. and so i kind of like the giants better as you know obviously with the big number when they have to go into this game kind of knowing that they need to just say screw it we're going to throw the football a lot. yeah right I know what because, you're saying. because if barkley's in even if he's a he's 100 healthy this injury never happened if he's in they spend two or three drives just running the ball into the into the 49ers line, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just like that. And then they realize, oh, that's not going to work. But by the time they get to that fourth or fifth possession, might be too late, right? 49ers yeah. are already up two touchdowns, 17 points, something along those lines. Basically like how every other, you know, the other two games have gone this season. So I kind of hope Barkley goes, you know, is ruled out. Everybody goes, no, I don't want anything to do with Giants. The line goes 10 and a half, 11, maybe even higher than that. And then it's Giants throwing the ball and testing themselves, you know, in deep threat, Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller starting to kind of get a cook in a little bit last week mm -hmm. uh, against a 49ers secondary that I think you'll agree is, has always kind of been their weakest part. Now that might turn into a situation like the Cowboys where the Cowboys are just teeing off. But if you can get, you know, if you can start throwing the ball early when you don't have to throw the ball, then it's yeah. harder for the defense to sort of tee off, right? When you have to, because you're down two or three scores, well, then the defense is not worried at all about the run game. And now maybe the 49ers will just not be worried about the run game. They'll be able to tee off. But at least when you're sort of at a 0-0 zero, zero score, you can kind of pretend like you're going to run the football. And so I think it's actually better off for betters if Barkley doesn't play in this game, the line goes up. And now we're looking at something like, honestly, a lot like last week, which is, what happened with the 49ers after they blew out the Steelers in week one is that their rating, you talk about ratings, right? All the time. And we had them sort of before the season, it was like, man, are they a mid sixties team? Like late, maybe, you know, late sixties team. Well, after they beat the Steelers, like I had to shoot them up to a 75 out of a hundred. And that's not my personal rating, though. My rating has them. I really haven't changed my rating all that much because I had them a little bit higher to start the season than the market did. And now I have them just a tiny bit lower. But what that means is when they shoot up to a higher rating than they probably should, it means the point spread against the Rams 
is eight instead yeah. of six and a half or is seven and a half instead of six and a half. Or then, you know, I think it might have closed at the last second at seven, but it was widely available at over a touchdown. And so as we talk about all the time, when those key numbers are kind of just sitting there vulnerable and you're getting that key number for that type of backdoor situation. Now you can say like, listen, the 49ers should have covered blah, blah, blah. I would make the case that the Rams had a touchdown lead. I believe it was in the second half, 17 yeah. to 10. Oh yeah. And it looked like all, all the world, like the, you know, the Rams certainly had that cover wrapped up. Right. So it's like, you know, what, what snapshot are we taking during the game where you sort of assign one team, the more, you know, most likely sort of chance to cover. And so I just look at this and I go, okay, if we can get 10 and a half and get 11 and this game's a 17 point game late. And we knowing that the giants even have, you know, having just won that game in comeback fashion, they're going to keep throwing. They're going to keep trying because they are that annoying team. That's going to keep doing that. Well, so to your I, point, even against Dallas, right? They were getting blown and Daniel Jones was still out there down, whatever, 40, nothing. He was still there till the very end. And yeah. they're still dropping back, throwing. He was trying wasn't successful but to your point yeah right and so maybe this not successful is is sort of dable not calling the plays and successful becomes dable calling the plays mm -hmm. and so you know that'll be sort of interesting to see you know anytime a camera goes on dable especially on obviously on offense is he you know calling into daniel jones got the you know the play sheet up etc cetera, etc cetera, right because that'll yeah. tell you whether you can rely you know in game on on uh, on the giants so you know i i certainly think it's a wait and see here a 10 and a half you take the giants 11 you take the giants or maybe even you wait and and go live in this game and sort of just to see whether the giants are having the plays called by dable and if they happen to get down field goal early touchdown early and this line gets up up through like a 14 and a half type of situation. I think that's going to be a really good opportunity to live bet the Giants as well. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. And I'm I'm laying the 10 points here. And I'll emphasize the value of what Matt just said, the value of a number like 10, right? It's giving you that extra protection there of the backdoor cover that could just easily be there for a Giants team that, as we just said, very spicy down the stretch and again if it's a 17 point game and the giants are driving right like this isn't even a scenario yeah. where it's like oh if they score a touchdown they'll be within one score like mm -hmm. what do the 49ers care if this game goes you know if they get exactly. get it to 10 with like a minute and a half left right that's still a two score game so yeah um so yeah wait and see take the giants bigger number than this i gotcha i gotcha um, we keep things moving here with the Broncos at the Dolphins. Dolphins at home laying six and a half points. We're getting up there. This is a lot of points, and this will kind of be a theme throughout this pod because I'm nervously laying a lot of points this week, and I more points than normal, and I don't really like it. <laughs> but we're here, and the Broncos are not very good, right? Russ, we could be watching the final days of Russ here, and... He's been struggling. It was a weird game, a weird comeback last week, but it doesn't overshadow just a lot of the problems that they've had, especially in the second half. Offense doesn't look that bad in the first half, but for whatever reason, second half, they continue to struggle. Um, and that was against the Commanders. I don't think the Commanders' offense is anywhere near the Dolphins' offense, and the Dolphins at home. The Dolphins, I mean, they showed me a lot against the Patriots solid defense that Belichick's trying to scheme and make them do something different than they normally do. You know, you're going to bracket over Tyreek and make you go underneath and mm -hmm. it worked, right? They, they did the under it worked for the, the dolphins is what I mean. The oh, dolphins. 
you know, like they stopped the deep ball, but the Dolphins were able to figure out, okay, we can go underneath, we can run the ball with Mostert, we can figure things out, and they got the win. Was it pretty? No, but it showed me that they can win kind of ugly, if that makes sense. I don't know if you got to win ugly against the Broncos because the Broncos are going to be ugly on their own. Give me the six and a half points. It's a lot of points. But again, I'm using the key number here of seven. And if you're giving me less than seven, I will take that with the Dolphins over a not so good Broncos team led by your man's Russell Wilson. And it's a little worrisome that you are getting the key number on the side of the Dolphins, right? Because it's not like people are shy on betting the Dolphins, I don't think, uh, Mm -hmm. at this point. Because, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, you kind of see all the exciting players and, you know, the quick strike offense and the speed, the speed, the speed. And so it is a little bit interesting, but that's what the power ratings from, you know, the point spreads of last week sort of come out to. And I'm kind of going against myself in a little bit here because I do have the Broncos sort of rated lower than uh, than the market does. And that's why I've been against the Broncos in weeks one and week two. And that has worked out incredibly successfully. Uh, The Dolphins, you know, I like the Dolphins. We've talked, obviously, about positions on Tua and Tyreek at the start of the season. Correct. I just kind of worry a little bit about this line and this (laughs) game and that it hasn't necessarily like you said it's been the second halves offensively for the broncos because when you're watching them especially when you're going against them you do sort of still feel a little bit scared because like javante williams in theory they can run the football they they have had some quick strikes here Mm -hmm. on offense as well and it's been the defense that's kind of Uh, certainly not even kind of the defense has let them down uh, to the start of this season, but it's like, they do seem to have a defense, at least from a talent standpoint, that is capable, right? Patrick Sertain uh, corner, you know, high level cornerback. If Jalen Waddle, who I believe is still in concussion protocol again, as of this recording, you know, what if he can't go? And then all of a sudden it becomes, all right, we don't have to worry about two guys. We only have to worry about one guy. And like, that makes a pretty significant difference. Huge. And, then, and normally I would be like, well, Miami in September, they have this home field advantage. It's going to be super hot, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the Dolphins haven't been playing in Miami. They have been playing in, you know, indoors and in, on the East Coast against, at night against New England. So I'm not even necessarily sure how, you know, trained they are for it. They, they would have had sort of a better training, if you will, if this was a week one game. But instead, because they've been on the road in these really comfortable places, they don't have that sort of element. Whereas the Broncos, not obviously playing in the heat, they have obviously been playing their first two games at home at, uh, you know, elevation. So, okay, heat, elevation, like obviously those two things are different, but at least when you go from elevation to sea level, like in theory, your, your wind should be even better. And so I don't think there's going to be that usual like Dolphins week one, week two home field advantage, which sucks for the Dolphins. Listen, they ended up winning both those games in week one and week two. So like they're fine from like a, uh, you know, a uh, schedule standpoint, right? A record standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of go like, yeah, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm not quite ready to give up on the sort of the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson thing. Maybe I'm ready for, uh Wilson to go away and then I want to back back the Broncos like when that happens yeah but with two losses here this does feel a little like cliche back against the wall an 0-2 team going on the road putting all the like kind of crap from the first two games behind them and like 
by the way, like they also don't need to win the game. They just need to cover. And so this isn't about the Broncos laying three and a half points the way that they did against the Raiders and the commanders, where it was just like, what you want me to give over a field goal with a Broncos team that I, I don't know whether they're good enough yet for that sort of thing. So obviously they didn't want to do that. But when we're talking about the NFL and like six and a half points being a lot of points, that's where I kind of land, where I kind of think this is going to be a little bit closer than this line sort of thinks. And I think a lot of people are going to be piling in here on the Dolphins. And it just seems like a line that could easily have been seven. And it hasn't been seven basically all week, right? And and maybe that's because of Waddle's uncertainty. And maybe if he gets ruled in, it goes up to seven. So I haven't made this bet yet because I want to know whether that is a situation that I can get involved in if I can get a plus seven so it's another one you know game two that we've talked about here but it's another one where like let's wait and see if we can get plus seven and then bet that plus seven but I also think the Broncos kind of have a chance to win this game on the money line because again I think Mm. offense there's enough there where at least from a you know skill possession weapons all that kind of you know all that stuff I think that the the Dolphins can be vulnerable here against the Broncos offense. It's just waiting for the Broncos defense to kind of start coming through here the way that everybody kind of expects. And again, the fact that we're getting points here with, um, I'm not going to say these two teams are more evenly matched than we think, because I think the line is about right. Um, But I, I just think that, yeah, this is sort of a Broncos best foot forward type of a game where the Dolphins can feel pretty good about having won two games on the road. And, you know, would be totally content with winning a game by a field goal or by six points. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough for me, and you almost have me here switching, but it's just at this point, I need to see it. I need to see just a full game from the Broncos before I'm I'm sitting there comfortably on a Sunday being like, okay, I'm 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 rooting for you down the stretch here. Right. Like I feel like they used up so much of their magic last week with their Hail Mary. And then I know they didn't get the call on the two point conversion, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, yeah, I think Russ has got to go before I'm ready to back the Broncos in any form or fashion, but we'll see how things go for sure. We'll see how things go for sure. Cause it'll be super interesting. And trust me, there'll be a lot of time here on this pod for you to talk to me how to laying points. I'll just use that. Yeah, one. We're up to 16 and a half points laid through two games <laughs> uh, on, on the pod so far. And we're on to game number three. We got the Falcons and the lions. Oh, no. And if you see this slide here, we're at the Falcons. At Detroit, Detroit laying three and a half points at home. The hook. I know the lesson yeah. here is about the hook. Okay. And I really dislike the fact that it's three and a half. I definitely want it to be three and I'm leaning here on the lions. And my, my biggest problem here is that the Falcons, I can't buy the Falcons here. I just can't do it. The Falcons were super lucky last week to win. And yeah, you are what your record says you are. I get all that, but they shouldn't have won that game against a beat up, beat up, beat up green Bay team. And they're barely able to pull that out. Now the lions blew a game of their own last week, a game that they should have won. And they allowed Gino to come back and win. And I know there's some questionable calls late, but bottom line shouldn't have been in that position. If you're the lions either, I don't like this pick at all. But I'm laying the three and a half points with the Detroit Lions. I know I probably shouldn't be. I'm assuming because I feel like I know you well enough by this point. You're going to try to talk me out of this. 
But it's no. a tough one, man. I just can't with the Falcons. The Falcons not buying it. The Falcons coming out of this at with a two and one record. That's a dub for them, right? It's funny how it's funny how the brain works, right? Where like you've just laid two points in two games, and so you automatically go to this game and you go like, oh, can't I can't keep laying these points. Whereas like I'm taking the points in the first two games that we that we that we had, and so now I'm like. Yeah, I'm fine with taking a favorite here because of because I'm you know already uh, and then none of those things matter as far as Nick is concerned, right? But just psychologically, you're going and like, like these things are randomly. It's yeah. not in order for any particular <laughs> order either, right? It's just the that's nature right. of how you know decide that's to talk right. about the games. So, uh, but to to be clear, I I bet the Lions at minus three. Uh, that was available you. earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because of the injury report that. Or, or sort of the, the expectation of an injury report that would be not so great for the Lions because they got banged up in that game against the Seahawks, right? Obviously, we saw the Dave Montgomery injury. They, did, they played that game without Taylor Decker. There's a couple of defensive injuries as well. I think C.J. Gardner-Johnson, one of those guys who's, who's uh, potentially out. Um, but yeah, it didn't, uh, I believe, also a, a defensive end or linebacker as well. Um, so, so it kind of looks bad because this number from like a market rating standpoint, the number that we would kind of expect it to be would be four and a half. And that's where, you know, oddly enough, that's where I had it going into our conversation about the Lions uh, Seahawks game last week. At the time it was six. I said, you know, four and a half is my line and it ended up closing four and a half. So does this thing go do the opposite where it goes, you know, last week it went from four and a half up to six, back down to four and a half. Is this going to go, from you know sort of my number of four and a half open around three and then go back up to four and a half if that's the case then obviously minus three and a half is a good bet if we get a little closing line value with this number potentially going up four or four and a half fundamentally though on the field type stuff here yeah i mean falcons full value for winning those two games i think you know we're going to if we haven't already we're going to figure out just how bad the carolina panthers are here in the next few weeks like they could be the worst team in the league um so I just kind of go, all right, well, cool on the Falcons winning that game last week. That was obviously a bummer for me because I, you know, like I said, I, I like the Packers more than I do the Falcons this season. While I didn't necessarily have a bet on it, you know, I've been f- sort of fading the Falcons from a season long perspective and, and was in on the Packers. That being said, the Packers were super banged up in that game, right? They were missing yeah. a bunch of guys back to area, back to Aaron Jones, uh, and of course, uh, Christian Watson. And so now they go from two home games against, you know, beat up Packers team and a pretty bad Panthers team to a road game against what I think we still think is a pretty good team, though, again, you know, Dan Campbell references after the game as far as sort of like a, you know, kind of a a gut check, if you will, or sort of, uh, you know, knocking them down a peg type of thing after beating the Chiefs, right? I think you and I talked about even week one when we were betting on the the Lions, we were like, okay, but we're not going to let this game when the Lions win this game, we're not going to let this affect how we think of the Lions. And I think it affected how the Lions think of the Lions. And so I think that's kind of what happened last week. Yeah. So Dan Campbell's the type of guy that I think he's going to be a guy that we want to be backing off of a loss because he's going to have that team focused in the same way, like a Mike Tomlin or some of these other kind of like, you know, cheerleader type coaches here that get, you know, more out of a team by a motivation. The than football they guy coach. Yeah, the old football guy coach, right? You know, grind him into the dirt, et cetera, et cetera. So I uh, was happy to get minus three when it was available. Now it's minus three and a half. And guess what? I like it a little bit less, but I think it's still, it's certainly not something that I'm going to talk you out of because I think Desmond Ritter uh, absolutely stinks. Uh, one thing to look for that I will be writing about on Saturday that I wrote about last Saturday is the Bijan Robinson over two and a half receptions. 
uh, if the market keeps doing that and giving us that option to take him over two and a half receptions, we are going to keep doing it, though we are going to keep it a secret just between me and you so that this doesn't get out of hand. Though, who knows, maybe the cat's out of the bag and up to the three and a half or four and a half, something along those lines, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, that to me is the best bet in this entire game. Bijan Robinson over two and a half receptions if it's back available again this week. I like it. I like it. I got to say, I feel a lot more confident now of at least this instance of me laying points. <laughs> Detroit Lions minus three and a half. Hopefully, let's go Lions. Uh, switching gears to the Chargers at the Vikings. This is a pick'em game, which is fair because two crappy looking 0-2 teams to start the season. But I don't really think that both of these teams are really that crappy, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I think there's sure. like there's something there. Just off to slow starts, didn't look good at all. So there's potential for one of these teams to figure out what you know we like to call the we're gonna we're gonna throw everything here, right? Everything we got back against the wall. We need a win here. We need a feel good here. And if I'm picking one of these teams to do so, I could be wrong about this because I know the Vikings traditionally are a good home team. I'm taking the Chargers. Yeah. And the reason I'm taking the Chargers because I just think they are a better team. I think that they've had a tougher first two games. Um, they kind of went Charger at the end of both of those games where they're, it's just an interesting, you know, that end of the four o'clocks, they're running around trying to cover or blowing a cover. That's what happens to the Chargers. We saw that first two games. We're not dealing with points here. We're just dealing with let's win. Mm -hmm. And in that instance, at some point, Justin Herbert and that offense has to figure it out. And I think that they do this week against the Vikings. Give me the Chargers in a pick'em game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no notes. Uh, this the Chargers are so much better than the Vikings, right? Like, get losing an overtime game in Tennessee where you had the lead the entire way. Like, yes, that's very chargery, but like that's also not the worst loss of all time and losing to the dolphins in a game where you had the lead pretty much the whole game and the dolphins scored a touchdown late with you know less than a minute to go like that's a basically an overtime type of a game right whereas the vikings were down 20 points to the eagles and the eagles had basically no secondary and like we knew that the eagles didn't have a secondary and we still didn't really think to be all that worried about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings pulling that off, which is why we had the Eagles in Survivor last week. And by the way, then they also lose a home game for this vaunted home field advantage that the Vikings allegedly have. They lost a home game to Baker Mayfield in week one, <laughs> right? So like these are these two teams are just not the same. And yeah. you know, I get like, okay, it has to be a pick 'em in theory or sort of close to it. What I don't really understand is like there seems to be at least a little bit of money coming towards Minnesota because the line was kind of leaning like a half point to the chargers. And it was kind of leaning to a half point to the Vikings where you can get the chargers at plus money on the money line. I don't understand that whatsoever. Maybe it's sort of a bad, you know, uh, uh, report with regards to Austin Eckler potentially being, you know, not back this weekend, but I don't know that that matters all that much here. I think these two teams are going to throw it around the yard on each other, but I think the chargers are just so much better than the Vikings. It's, it's not so much like about the Vikings home field advantage. It's more like, listen, the chargers home don't have a home field advantage when they play at home. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So like when you don't have a home field advantage and you play at home, you kind of get more accustomed to being on the road because you're sitting there in week one and there are more dolphins fans in the crowd. And like, so how is that any different than going on the road and being in a dome against Minnesota? Right. Because they blow that horn in between like, you know, on third down, like, 
okay, cool. Like, I think the Chargers are, yeah, again, I, I, I said no notes and then I gave a bunch of notes about how I agree with you. Uh, Chargers here are so much better than the Vikings. Um, they will be, they will be one of my five uh, circa million selections this week. I can tell you that. Let's go Chargers. Let's go Chargers. Uh, we'll go to the Patriots who are laying two and a half points in New York against the Jets. Um, this one's tough. I'm begging for three points here because I want to take the Jets as home dogs. I feel that the Patriots offense, watching them against the Dolphins, they lack playmakers. They lack play calling. is very ugly. The, the Jets, you could say a lot of the same things for the Jets, but I feel like this will be a low-scoring defensive game, and in that instance, I will take the points. Yeah, I was with you as far as like, uh, you know, three would be good. There was some sort of juiced up plus threes available early on uh, in the week. And then I, I've started to drift away from that because A, the Jets never beat the Patriots. B, <laughs> Zach Wilson is so bad. He is so bad. You know, just bad, bad, bad. Belichick against Zach Wilson, yada, yada, yada. And then you go like, <sighs> Patriots were in games driving to tie the game or take the lead against the Eagles and the Dolphins. Those are pretty good teams, man. And like the, the Patriots might be actually a pretty good team. They might just be sort of getting beat with their fatal flaw right now, which I think is the offensive line. A part of that is like injury related stuff, right? And they're slowly getting a little bit healthier on that side. We'll see over the course of the rest of the week, you know, whether how many of their guys they can necessarily get back because it seems whenever you blitz, the Patriots, it's just over. Like Mac Jones just is getting sacked. Like there's no kind of picking it up or, you know, hot route read or make them, you know, pay for the blitz. It's it just sort of like that is the end of any sort of conversation about an offensive drive whenever you blitz Mac Jones. I think they got at some point be able to take advantage of that. And they had the, the kid who fumbled, um, who sort of looks like Tyreek Hill in a Patriots jersey. Yeah. I think he needs to be more involved in these sorts of like blitz, you know, hot read type screen play type deals. Um, but it's a matter of recognizing it from, uh, from, from the offensive side. Thing is, I don't know that the Jets are necessarily going to blitz all that much because the Jets believe defensively that they can do it enough just rushing four, which might be sort of true kind of fundamentally when you have a offense that can score a little bit. Where, you know, like you said, it's probably going to be a, a low-scoring game. I think the total reflects that. And so that's all well and good if your plan is to only give up 13 points. But you have to be able to score 13 points, too. And I don't know that they can do this because I don't think you're going to get a Garrett Wilson 70-yard touchdown to be the one score that you get offensively, right? And so I then just kind of go like, yeah, you know what? This is probably Patriots showing us that they're probably a better team than we think because they've played the Eagles and the Dolphins in the first two weeks. And I don't think they necessarily care about the, you know, I don't know that there's a ton of home field advantage here for, for the Jets against the Patriots specifically, because it's not a big travel spot. It's not like they're, you know, not used to playing there. And, uh, and fundamentally, I don't know that I can bet on Zach Wilson at less than a touchdown. So I, I like the Patriots here. I'm going to say this much talking me into betting against Zach Wilson. Not that hard talking me into betting on bill Belichick. Also not that hard, but I'm going to ask you this. Hmm. Should I feel more comfortable? I'm going to switch the pick, but should I feel more comfortable because it is two and a half giving me the wiggle room of Patriots kicking a field goal to win the game and cover the three points. 
Yeah. Oh, of course. That's the thing, right? Like if it was three, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we need to be betting the Patriots, you know, um, to win by more than three points, mm -hmm. right? Like this, because it's two and a half for whatever reason, I shouldn't say whatever reason that it is two and a half, right? Cause I always preach like, listen, if you don't know how the point spread was built, like you're probably lost. The problem here with the jets is that because of the sort of, uh undefinable rating of the jets with zach wilson that we talked about last week where it was like all right how bad could the jets be right and i gave you you know we did our fun little game there where you guessed sort of what the rating should be yeah. of the jets and it's like having watched that game kind of feels like we were high on the jets maybe just high period but like we were high, too high on the jets going <laughs> like yeah like oh 40 whatever like i still think they're decent it's like Man, they might be in the 30s with Zach Wilson. And again, not no fault of the defense, et cetera, et cetera. They might be way worse than we thought. And so when you look at these this point spread, you know, you kind of have to play around with it a little bit more, right? Where you go, okay, how far are we going to drop the Jets to get this number? And you don't really have to drop them all that much further, even though like their play, you know, kind of okay. looks like they could be that much further. All right. So I'm with you. The pick has been switched. The pick has been switched. New England minus two and a half. It kind of just fits with the narrative of this. If I'm going to switch, the first switch is going to be me laying points on a week that I'm worried about laying points. <laughs> Let's go. I like that. I like that theme so far. But again, I'm making a joke because all of these games are not all related to one another. I'm making a joke for the kids listening at home. Move on to the next game. We got the Saints at the Packers. Packers at home laying two points. This one, I feel like I really do need you to talk me out of this because it's laying points with the Packers. I need the injury update on the Packers. I really need to know where they're at injury-wise because there was a lot of injury news that drastically switched that line before kickoff. And if I'm talking about the Packers in last week, the line when we talked about the Packers and Falcons last week was Packers minus two. When it got to game time, the line was Falcons minus three. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I would still have been on the Packers. You look up, the Packers lose by one. That's an no. L on my record. But again, as we discuss, this is why you listen. It's more about the conversation than it is what like the record is, right? The conversation is more important. So can you first off explain the injuries and just yeah. how that line moved from all the way across from Packers minus two to Falcons minus three. And now we sit here with Packers minus two. What's the injury update? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see here as, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, we get, you know, Wednesday injury reports are kind of useless, but Thursday and Friday injury reports, I think are going to be key. But this line is, is suggesting that things are going to be a lot better. Right. And so we saw Aaron Jones miss with a hamstring, right. That's, you know, you could talk my, you talk me into that being a one week off type of a deal. He gets back, you know, home by the way. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so we have a very, you know, handful of scenarios here where we have a team that's played in two road games going home. Um, so you could tell me that he's healthy. Christian Watson practiced in a limited fashion at the end of the week last week. So, you know, it would sort of make sense a full week later that he would be good to go. Uh, and we'll see, you know, with regards to David Bakhtiari. But sort of more relevantly with that, and I don't know, maybe, you know, again, there is this like, I don't want to say weird because they've won two games already. But there is this faction of the like betting, you know, cognoscenti out there that like love the Falcons before the season starts. It still loves the Falcons because again, they're two and zero. Like they haven't been sort of talked off of that ledge, if you will. 
with regards to the Falcons. And so maybe part of that on Sunday was just people betting the Falcons for the sake of betting the Falcons. And it didn't have as much to do with the injury report because maybe the injury report took it from, you know, Packers being favored to Falcons being favored, but the stretch going all the way to three was people betting the Falcons. Now, if you bet the Falcons from minus one and a half to two to two and a half, you lost last week <laughs> because that game landed on one and the Packers, you know, were largely dominating that game. So if the number, if the rate, if the Packers rating, which, you know, we're, we drop sort of after the fact because of where the number closed, right? So number closes three, we drop the Packers rating to like 44 out of a hundred using that number to create a points bed for this game. And we get saints by one. But that's not the issue, right? The issue is like, okay, are those guys going to be back, right? And so if those guys are back, then we get sort of closer to where my rating is, which is my ratings, you know, kind of high on the Packers because I think the Packers are good. And by the way, nothing from Monday night tells me that the Saints are particularly good. And maybe that's being bitter because they backdoor pushed on, you know, it should have been an easy cover, but isn't that the point of Dennis Allen and Derek Carr's general existence to never sort of be able to cover like those numbers, even if you have the much better team. Derek Carr so, is okay. the worst. I'll just say that. <laughs> just interject there. Derek Carr. Yeah. You're wondering if it was just the Raiders stench. No, Derek Carr is just Derek Carr. Yeah. And so I go, okay, well, like, what is your, you know, what's my rating personally on the Packers? And what do I sort of think of them, especially within the range of outcomes to where they would play this game? So meaning like Saints back-to-back road games, short week, where is their range going to be? And so if their general rating is an average team called 51 out of 100, their rate, their average, you know, their their rating, uh, excuse me, their range should be somewhere between 40 and 60. Do I think this game is going to have the Saints play a particularly good game where for one week they are closer to 60? Or do I think for one week they're going to be closer to 40? I think the latter a little bit, right? And the same goes for the Packers because we've seen them being rated in the low 40s because of those injuries. But I kind of think their best effort, if you will, could have them you know, closer into the high 50s. And I think that's what you're going to get from them this week. And so when you put those two together, I get closer to three on the Packers here. So I already, you know, we've talked about this since before the season down on the saints high on the Packers didn't necessarily work out. Obviously. Well, I mean, it technically worked out and that they covered the spread after, you know, the final spread or whatever, but like they didn't end up winning that game against Atlanta. I still thought they played pretty well. They just, you know, a couple of three and outs at the end. Yeah. I think anything under three here is good when it comes to the Packers, because I'm expecting sort of big things, if you will, from the Packers with their first home game this season against the Saints team that I don't love all that much and uh, are on a short week and uh, and a second straight road game. Yeah. And with this opportunity, as we're talking about the Packers game here, I want to take that time to also emphasize just the importance of, okay, here's a line. We're showing you the line. I'm mentioning the line, but the more important thing here is the conversation we're having about both of those teams. Cause you can still use that information for when you go to make your pick on Sunday. You're one of those people listening late and you're trying to scramble on Sunday morning, trying to figure it out. You listen to the conversation and you can understand. And if you woke up on Sunday and you're like, wait, Packers plus three, you're probably jumping on that, right? I know I was. So that's the interesting part of listening to the conversation, understanding where the line is at the moment, but understanding what it means or where it could be going. And it's really easy to say, uh, you know, it's more about the conversation if your record is like eight and 20 to start the season. 
you know what I mean? But like, it's, oh, okay. it's yeah, 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 you know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not about the record. It's about the conversation. It's like, well, you guys lose every game. But in this case, <laughs> it's like, yeah, actually, we win a lot of the games too, but we're trying to focus here on the process versus the result, right? Because they're not always going to be, you know, 11 and four in one weekends. Yeah, it's about, hope you, they are. well, it's, yes, we want the record to be good. But mm -hmm. one of the themes that you talk about all the time is what was the right side? Right. And like yeah. that overall is the more efficient way of figuring out if you're doing well or not. Right. What was the right side and were you on the right side? Uh, so we'll keep it moving with the what do we got here? Colts and Ravens. I got control room was messing me up here. Colts <laughs> and Ravens. Ravens at home laying eight points, which is a lot of points. Not going to lie to you at all here. But I really, really like what we've seen from Lamar and the offense of the Ravens so far. I know Odell went down, but Zay Flowers looks like he's real. Mark Andrews is back, picked up right where he left off with the chemistry he has with Lamar Jackson. And they can always run the ball. No matter who's in their backfield, they figure out how to run the ball. I just like how that offense is looking. I cannot say the same for the Colts. Anthony Richardson, I mean, if he was the playmaker on their offense, he's in concussion protocol as of when we're recording this pod. So that could change. That could mean Gardner Minshew. But if it's Gardner Minshew, then you got to rely on their receiving playmakers, which you've been telling us from the get-go, not so much. They got no, not not right. that much they got out there, right? So here, I again, it's eight points. I don't want to lay all these points, but I also don't want to bet on the Colts. So I'm laying the points with the Ravens here. I'm trusting their offense. I'm kind of riding the wave that the Ravens and their offense is on right now. And hey, I'll do that here. I'll uh I'll put that I'll put it this way. I have zero interest whatsoever in picking a side on this game. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh we're going to have the Ravens this week in Survivor. And you're going to look at some of the other point spreads and you're going to be like, "Man, what Chiefs like they're double digits and the Cowboys are double digits and the Jaguars are double digits and you know, what about this team? What about that team?" Um, and I'm going to be a lot more comfortable with it if uh, Anthony Richardson is out because I'm not super comfortable with it from like a confidence in the Ravens are going to win the game um, as some sort of a lock type situation, which like, mm -hmm. you know, listen, the NFL, there's no such thing as a lock as far as a straight, even a straight up win is concerned. But like when you're playing Survivor, like you're really hoping to just kind of like feel really, really good about it, about your, about your matchup. Um the Colts with like a healthy Richardson running around and doing stuff like they could be scrappy here. Mm -hmm. My numbers kind of come out to like, well, okay, let's play this game, right? Like the Ravens, I have bumped them up. And when you, when you start playing around with your own ratings, right. As far as deciding which, you know, whether a team should go up or down or whatever. And this is week three. So it's not like you're going that off that far back, but you know, especially later on in the, in the season, but for week one and week two, I go, okay, if I change my ratings around on the on the Ravens, what would the point spread be in previous games, right? So the point spread for their first week game against the uh, Houston Texans would be minus 12. Okay. Oh, they would cover that number. You know, they did cover that number, right? They covered a nine, mm -hmm. right? But they also covered 12 if it were 12. Uh, last week, my, my ratings for, for the Ravens would kind of come out to about a two and a half point favorite for the Bengals, right? Okay. The line was three and a half. Ravens covered by winning that outright, right? So I'm going, I'm headed in the correct direction. Whereas if I was where, you know, listen, I bet the Ravens in both those instances. But 
if I, you know, if I had rated the Ravens this way the whole season, which I didn't have to, because as long as I'm in the correct direction where I'm betting on the Ravens, I don't have to go, I don't have to make them an 85 out of a hundred, like 67 will do like, you know, that that's going to lead me to, to these bets. So as I sort of creep out with that rating, that rating that provided those two point spreads that I just mentioned would come out to eight and a half for the Ravens here, which means the market is kind of trailing me, like kind of right behind. Now is me saying this is an eight and a half and the, and the number being eight, like some great deal where like, yup, got to bet the Ravens here because I'm getting a half point between <laughs> eight, eight and a half. Yeah. Like, no, right? Like that's, this isn't seven versus six and a half. This isn't three versus two and a half. This isn't three versus three and a half, right? Going yeah. the other way on like a dog situation. So um, if I'm not, if I, if there wasn't such a thing as survivor, I think this is a phenomenal teaser leg where you bump the Ravens down from eight down under a field goal to two. And that's kind of the only betting thing that I'm looking to get involved in with regards to, uh, to this uh, matchup because yeah, it's a lot of points and you know, maybe if Minshew plays the line goes up and then that gets a little bit scary for backdoor potential. So I don't really want to do that either. And I don't really want to back. I don't want to bet the Ravens now at minus eight and you know, again, if Anthony Richardson plays, I'm like, oh, well, listen, the Colts are semi-live here. But from a strategic standpoint in Survivor, like the Ravens are the correct play based on what I want to do going, you know, beyond this as far as saving teams for, you know, uh, these other weeks that I think are going to be more critical. I got you. I got you. Ravens as the Survivor pick this week, folks. And yes, I will lay the points with the Ravens offense at minus eight. We continue to move on with the Titans at the Browns. Browns at home, favored by three points. And gotta say, I like picking my frisky teams early that I like when they're underdogs. And the Titans are one of those teams early. Again, they find themselves as three-point dogs I don't know what I really saw from the Browns to make them. I'm pretty sure they were three and a half point favorites yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. No, but, uh, two, two and a half, two and a half on Monday. Night. Oh, you mean this game? My mistakes. Yes. This Sorry. game. Yeah. Definitely. For this game. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. this game. I'm pretty sure they were three and a yeah. half point favorites. So the lines already moved towards the Titans. Um, but either way, I like how this type, we, we like Vrabel. I like betting on well-coached teams. I can't really say that I, I feel like the Browns are a well-coached team. Deshaun Watson is not looking that good that early. We talked about it earlier. If Saquon Barkley is one of the running backs that does actually matter, is Nick Chubb another running back that actually matters? I'd probably say so. Um, so he's not, he's out of the picture and will be for the foreseeable future, of course. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Tannehill he does enough, man. He does enough. Hopkins and him, it looks like as they get more reps, maybe there's something there if they can stay healthy for the whole season, but they don't have to stay healthy for the whole season. We're just talking about week three right now. And as long as we're here in week three, give me the points. I will take the Titans as road dogs plus three in Cleveland on a short week. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, the, the, the Browns rating that would have made them pick them at home against the Bengals in week one and a two and a half point favorite in Pittsburgh in week two on Monday night, that rating based on a pretty accurate sort of market rating for the Titans would make the Browns five here, minus five. Hmm. Okay. And so I also just happen to disagree with that rating, even if Nick Chubb was around, you know, was available. So my rating for the Browns goes 
you know, is, is considerably lower. You know, if the market sort of has them as a 60 out of 100 or 59 out of 100, I have the Browns as sort of just barely above average at 53 out of 100. Uh, that rating would kind of crank out to a uh, three and a half, which is where okay. we were, as you mentioned. In fact, we were actually, it was actually available at four. And so I actually grabbed some Tennessee four earlier on in the week, but we are now headed to three. We're at minus three with, you know, basically even money in a lot of places. And I think that's going to inspire me to bet back on the Browns at minus three at even money, because for me, that creates a sort of synthetic point spread of Browns minus two and a half, because I win on three, right? Yeah. If, it, if my minus three bet pushes, I win on my plus four bet from earlier on in the week. And so if this line was two and a half, I would just tell you, okay, bet the Browns. But it's three, so I can understand we're all, you know, you made a ton of really good points there as far as like, you know, the coaching stuff is concerned and, you know, and uh, and the miscreant back there for the Browns, um, just, you know, being super grabby out on the field with regards to people's face masks. And um, I'm just going to let that one go. Just a grabby guy. Uh, yeah, listen, he gets away with a lot of stuff. You know, what do you want me to say? Uh, so, yeah. So uh, the problem is, is like, yes. Nick Chubb matters, but man, our guy Ford was out there doing work too. And so when you see that type of thing, and then presumably Kareem Hunt, you know, imagine he'll get sort of, you know, five to 10 carries this weekend between the two of them. Like, I think they can both, you know, fill that role quite a bit. And so, you know, I think the Browns defense is still is still pretty legit. And we'll talk about this a little bit more with regards when we get to the Steelers game, but like, I told you last week, like, I love the Steelers. Like, I, you know, was in sicko mode thinking about dreaming about them taking them in uh, in Survivor, all of that kind of thing. And then you watch the game, they get their early touchdown defensively. And luckily, they got the late touchdown defensively again, because I don't know that the Steelers, if given another three quarters, were going to score a touchdown, uh, you know, and actually execute a drive, which, again, will come in handy later on uh, in this conversation. And so part of me just goes like, man, maybe I'm underrating the Browns here because like this defense like is pretty legit. And like, yeah, you mentioned the Titans and like, there's a certain degree of like, how much do we, how much credit do we give the Titans versus how much blame do we give the Chargers for that game? Because I know I was backing the Titans like a little bit because of the Titans, but a lot of it because of the Chargers and being like, yeah, I don't really, you know, it's the, right. It's the charge. So it's like, you can't beat up on the chargers and then also like big up the Titans, right? Like there has to sort of, you know, that pie sort of has to be relatively equal or at least sort of equal, you know, add up to 100. And so I just kind of go like, man, this does kind of feel like one of those grimy, disgusting Browns, like 16 to nine type of wins where it's like, yeah, man, they had 30 carries from two guys you know, Amari Cooper was out there balling. Like, how much do you really want out of, you know, Deshaun Watson? Or how much are you actually going to be able to get? How much do you need? The answer is pr honestly probably not that much. And, yeah, I'm just not psyched about the Titans' offense. Like, that was another one where it's like, man, if we could just get out of here with a win, like, that would feel a little bit like stealing. So if I felt a little bit like stealing getting a win from the Titans last week, and I felt a little bit like stealing getting a win against the Browns, really starts to add up to like, man, I think you kind of like the Browns here. And so to me, you know, again, a little bit different because I can get a synthetic minus yeah, two and a half yeah. here, but you know, I can't tell you, I like them plus three if I like them minus two and a half. Right. So uh, give me the Browns in this game. 
Oh, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I need I need to see a little more from the Browns here. I'm, I'm, this is another thing where at certain points of the season, I will jump on board a team and just ride them for a little bit. Just, you know, give them a couple of weeks of of riding them. And I'm, I'm riding the Titans right now. So I'm yeah. there for yeah, at yeah. least at least another week. Um, we switch it up here to the Buffalo Bills. Six and a half point favorites on the road in Washington. The Bills got their bounce back game last week against the Raiders, but the Raiders are not good. Right? Jimmy G is Jimmy G, and I will always stand by that. That was my hate hate relationship with watching Jimmy G play football. Um, and I don't. I, I put myself in a position where I was riding with relying on Jimmy G when I don't need to anymore because he's not on my team anymore. So why would I put myself through that? Right. Anyways. I'll put those, put that aside. I'll put my personal feelings aside. But anyways, now the Buffalo Bills are laying six and a half points in Washington. And I wonder if that's a little too many points. I'm going to take the points with the commanders as home dogs. I still think Buffalo's a little shaky. I feel like a lot of that was more so on the Raiders last week as opposed to Buffalo magically solving all of their problems again. And Washington so far has been able to move the ball on offense. Can they keep up with Buffalo? I don't know, but they don't have to keep up to win the game. They just got to cover six and a half points. And I'll take that with the home dogs, Washington commanders plus six. Yeah. And a half. Yeah. And we've dug into this before and we'll, we'll do it again. So I don't need to harp on it, but like Sam Howell is just a very interesting case study as far as like his college career and like where he ended up getting drafted and now him getting sort of falling into this position where He's, you know, it was kind of like, well, we don't really have anybody else. Let's try Sam Howell and Ron Rivera, not even realizing he was on the team um, or that he was any good. I think the commanders are good, man. I think the commanders can dominate the line of scrimmage defensively in this game. And they can, they can have, they can get Josh Allen doing kind of the dumb Josh Allen type stuff. Right. And like, whether it's Josh Allen or, or Lamar Jackson or Trevor Lawrence, like these guys are just, you know, we always talk about, it, right. They get a little loose with the football and that creates kind of high variance results. Because when they don't get loose with the football, they'll beat you by four touchdowns like they did last week. You know, we talked about like, I kind of think this game's either Raiders win or, or Bills win by a million. And if you want to, you know, outline the Bills minus 21, like you're free, feel free to do it. I think the commanders win this game. I think they're good, man. I think they are. And like, yeah, I'm going to wait. I haven't bet it yet. I'm going to wait to see if we can get like, if this touches seven Maybe like a seven minus one fifteen. Like God, I'd probably even just panic and do a minus one twenty at some point with the uh, Commanders plus seven. But I also gonna have them on the money line. I know that's sort of weird to say. Like, why do you care so much about whether you get seven if you also have them on the money line? You think they're gonna win the game outright? Because that's just good betting, right? It's just good betting, just in case I'm wrong about the money line and this ends up being a seven point, you know, Bills win. But yeah, I think good vibes on the commanders right now. Like obviously going and getting that win, comeback win of their own in Denver. And I think the home field is starting to cook a little bit here with mm -hmm. the new ownership and their 2-0 and and all that kind of stuff. Like it's good vibes around the team. The quarterback is making plays. The throw and catch to Terry McLaurin last week. Like I don't normally like audibly yelp when something happens in, in you know sports anymore and dead inside. But man, I, I, I hooted when that uh, when that catch got made uh, by McLaurin. <laughs> that throw was a dime, and that catch was sweet. He's got weapons. They've got a good defense. Like, there's a lot to like about the Commanders. And like we said before the season, I think they're the best team in the NFC South. Unfortunately, they just don't play in the NFC South. 
which is that took me a second there. I was yeah, like, oh, wait, which is oh, a problem. I though. get it. I get it. Right? I got you. I the, got Cowboys, you. <laughs> the Cowboys are a wagon and the Eagles are, you know, have yeah. been wagon ish and like could be a wagon again this year. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a problem for the, for the commanders. But yeah, I think they're better than a lot of teams in the NFC. They might be the fourth best team in the NFC actually. Not that I've been really counting that up, but. I like it. Washington plus six and a half home dogs. Let's go Texans at the Jags Jags at home laying nine and a half points. That is a massive, massive number. The Jags offense hasn't looked great. We'll say, you know, and I I know they played the chiefs defense. You talked about it last week. The chiefs defense doesn't get as much credit because we're not used to giving the chiefs defense credit, but they did a pretty solid job against the Jags last week. Now I'm asking the Jags to lay nine and a half points against the Texans that I know aren't a really good team, but I feel like these divisional games at times end up being a lot closer than we may remember them being. I'm going to need you to remind me about that here, but nine and a half points just seems like a lot to me here. Um, the Texans, again, they haven't looked good. I'm ro- I'm rolling here more so with the divisional game and them being able to keep it within striking distance, an ugly cover here for the Texans at nine and a half. So if you're interested in things like, okay, you know, what are people betting over the course of the week? And like, and you're not just showing up on Sunday going like, okay, what's the point spread? And like you say, right? Like, where was it? How did it get here? It's all, and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, this hit 10 uh, on Wednesday morning for maybe an hour <laughs> before <laughs> before I, before others hopped on the Texans uh, at plus 10. Okay? okay. And I was going to say to you, like, let's switch that graphic out and give yourself the plus 10. And then I went and looked and it's pretty much nine, nine and a half across the board. So like, that's how long it lasted. Like it was nine and a half yesterday. It's nine and a half today. But as of Wednesday morning, it was like 10. So I grabbed the 10. Pretty thrilled about that. Feel mm-hmm. really good about it. I don't, really know why just yet in fact that's kind of my next order of business (laughs) like sometimes you just grab a number and then you kind of retrofit a case for it Mm -hmm. which i don't like it you know i I know that sort of sound you know when i say it that way it makes it sound like wait what you're making picks and then you're making a case for it it's really more like i'm starting from a point of not liking what i've seen from the jags this season right like they saw total aside here i had a 50 to 1 uh bet on or sorry i had a uh, 50 dollar bet on 14 to 1 that the panthers were going to be the lowest scoring team of the week this past week and if you'll remember they had six points going through three quarters and so when you have a game like that at the you know end of the week you go okay well like what's the low scoring team that i have to you know i have to stay under right because if the lowest scoring team is 17 that's awesome you're cooking with gaps problem is The stupid Jags scored nine points at home against the Chiefs. And so I had to keep, you know, I had to hope that the uh, Panthers stayed under nine points. Like that didn't give me much wiggle room, right? But so the point is, is like the Jags can't score more than nine points at home. Like I know the Chiefs defense is much improved. And listen, they might be a real, you know, listen, shocking report. The Chiefs might be a wagon as well this year. But like, Man, nine, nine points. And they right? had chances. They had and, red zone chances. Right. And it's just like, we have, for whatever reason, I guess it's because of the streak that the Jags went on to make the playoffs and the comeback that, again, how much credit are you giving to the Jags for the comeback against the Chargers? And how much discredit are you giving to the Chargers for that comeback? 
But like we got all caught up in Trevor Lawrence being sort of the potential of Trevor Lawrence and that like he can't, you know, he's not going to be a guy to turn the ball over in the same way. It's like, you know what? He might be, he might be Josh Allen. He might be Lamar Jackson, like super good potential quarterbacks who just turn the ball over too much and create wide sort of, you know, variations of a potential score here. Right. And again, maybe it's because the Houston Texans walked in there last year and ran the football down the Jags throats with Damian Pierce and somehow came out of there with a win. I kind of think the Texans are going to win again this this week. And okay. I, that has steered me away from the Jags as a survivor pick. I just think there's some bad stuff kind of brewing there with the Jags. They're off to uh, England for two straight weeks uh, next week. Like, it, that seems like a really bad time for that kind of thing. You know, if you're if you're on that team, you're going, man, I got to go to London or, you know, whatever. For, I got to go to England for two weeks. Like, you know, when do I pack? Like, what do I, you know, what are the, the what's the electronic, uh, you know, thing that I got to deal with? Do I have my adapters all tightened up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like this is such like an afterthought game for them. If I was on the team, I'd be like, man, England, like next week, bro. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to play the Texans, by the way, halfway through. Now, like, we're going to need a way better injury report from the Texans. We're going to need the safeties to be healthy. We're going to need some more offensive linemen in the mix here. So, like, that might be sort of the retrofitting of that, being like, okay, this team might be sort of better than what we've seen over the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. But as for the Jags are concerned, man, like, they probably should have lost to the Colts in week one, and they scored nine points in week two. And I don't care who they were playing in week two. And, yeah, okay, I guess giving only up, you know, only giving up 17 against the Chiefs is impressive. But – you know, I like D'Amico Ryans, your old San Francisco defensive coordinator. Like, I don't think that team's giving up necessarily. So, yeah, man, just kind of a weird feeling potentially about the te the Texans. But at plus 10, I certainly was happy to grab that number for the, like, hour long that it was available this morning. Yes, I think I was also looking to just grab some points somewhere this week <laughs> on my full slate. No, I'm joking. I, I It's just the divisional games. That's the biggest thing for me, too, when I see such big spreads. So always like, come on now. What, what are we doing here? I see what you're trying to do to me here, Vegas. I see you. Mm -hmm. um, Panthers at the Seahawks. Seahawks at home laying six points. And as I mentioned, another instance here, I'm on the Seahawks laying the six points. But this is... I look for instances where I talk myself into, you know, I looked at the overall slate. I came in, start this podcast saying I'm on a lot of favorites, but then I look at a game like this and I'm like, how am I supposed to take the Panthers? What did right. I see from the Panthers on Monday right. night that shows me that I would feel comfortable watching this game in the fourth quarter and being like, you know what? I need Bryce Young to do something for me right now to cover this spread. I just can't do it. There were videos of my guy lining up in shotgun beside the guard or behind the guard, not the center, the <laughs> guard, and his running back having to nudge him over so that he lined up behind the center. I know I that's, like a, that's a snapshot, but it's a snapshot of just the confidence level that I would have in this offense to do anything. They should have gotten blown out on Monday night. And now on a short week, you're going against the Seahawks, which if we know one thing about the Seahawks, they can put points up on the board. I don't know how many points the Panthers can score in this game. I, I really don't. But the Seahawks, I feel like they can put up points. So I don't like laying the six points because I don't like laying so many points. But I just can't do anything with the Panthers. So I'm laying six points with the Seahawks here. Yeah. And listen, like have 
Seahawks games gone particularly well this season? No. Um, but, you know, it's one of those teams that we thought we were like, oh, I guess they stink. And then all of a sudden, like, they were just good again, despite having two tackles, you know, uh, two offensive tackles being out of uh, out of commission last week. And they just go on the road and win outright. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, bounce back. Like, don't just judge the book by one chapter, if you will. And so... I bet Seattle minus four and a half that was available uh, as recently as yesterday. That did not seem to make any sense. I'm not even sure if minus six makes even a ton of sense. So, but you know, I'm obviously not going to talk you out of it. I did get like I said, a little bit better number. We have some, we have seen some, you know, some buyback when it gets to six to get it back down to five and a half. So you probably are able to get a five and a half between now and Sunday. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. Right. And, And when it comes to Bryce young, right, it's going to get easier might take a while because the infrastructure as we talked about isn't there don't love the coach don't love the roster that sort of that anecdote that you gave is like the type of thing that's going to happen when things aren't second nature to you just yet right and things are not second nature to rookie quarterbacks and like do you have a backup plan because anthony richardson's backup plan is well we're going to run shane steichen is going to draw up a bunch of running plays for you where you're going to get into the game and get positive in that type of way bryce young's best play was when he absolutely left marcus may in the middle of the field breaking that dude's ankles on the one scramble that he had but unfortunately for bryce young he's like a tiny dude who like you can't have running around all that often when he does, it's it's effective because it's so rare because it has to be rare. And so there isn't a type of thing where it's like, well, let's just run a quarterback's power sweep to get some yardage. It's like, no, man, we're going to get this guy killed. That's why they have and- Andy Dalton coming in for short yardage quarterback sneak type stuff because Bryce Young, again, is just a little dude. So he might end up being awesome. I think there's actually a decent chance of that, right? But like the infrastructure has to be there. The talent around him has to be there. And things have to be second nature for him before they can start succeeding. And honestly, defensively, they looked good at times for a lot of that game. But again, if we're bummed out about Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, which like we just kind of always exist to be, then like how much of that is like the Panthers defense and how much of that is just being like super lame offense from the saints who honestly felt like they could just run Taysom Hill every time and get 10 yards. But like, for whatever reason, like didn't do that every time. The reason for that is because they're back to a scenario where their quarterback is just good enough or thought highly enough or veteran enough that they have to keep putting him out there for like a 95% snap rate, even though the best successful, you know, most successful plays probably involve Taysom Hill so, yeah, again, that is it's less about the Panthers and more about the Saints necessarily on how they were sort of able to keep that team to what 20 points or so. So, yeah, I'm 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 on this I'm on the Seahawks here. All right, yeah, we're both on the Seahawks. I like that minus 6. The the laying points continues on with the Bears at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are at home laying 12 and a half points. And this is another instance where it's a lot of points. Normally I say when it's a double digit spread, I need you to talk me out of taking the points. But much like I just said about our last game, there's not much that I see that makes me want to rely on Justin Fields and the bears. And I know that they don't have to do much. They just got to keep it kind of (laughs) close in terms of it being 12 and a half. But I need a good old-fashioned Chiefs game where Mahomes throws for like 300 yards and we get talked into uh, Kadarius. Like, their receiver's being fine. Sky Moore's fine. Kadarius Tony's fine. Like, everything's just great. Even though we know that's not the case, 
You know what I mean? One of those games yeah. to throw us off the scent. And I feel like the Bears might just be primed to be that squad. Um, I don't like laying all these points. I've said this multiple times this pod. <laughs> but, uh, but surprise, surprise, I'm laying a lot of points with the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not dying to bet the Bears either. I don't think this is some like value-based proposition on the Bears. I, To be honest with you, I kind of thought we might get to 14, at which point I would bet the Bears. I'd bet the Bears at 14. That's the number I would bet. Okay. And there was 13s. Uh, you know, it's kind of open around 13, but nobody has any chill. So whoever liked the Bears had to go ahead and bet the Bears plus 13 because, again, like we can't just all sit around and wait for it to go to 14, okay. then bet it at 14 and just like have a better bet. Somebody always has to go and ruin it for everybody else. Now, I don't know if maybe that's saving me from getting beat on the Bears here, but I think the key here to watch for, and this might be more of a live betting type situation, is Justin Fields going to run the football because Justin Fields is not running the football, and the key to Justin Fields is running the football. And so, like – what you know what i mean like what like if if the key to the guy being good is the thing that he does best and you're not going to do the thing that he does best like i got a problem with that but it also creates potentially some value here because the bears start to plummet in their rating mm -hmm. right if, they're, if the bears keep plummeting in their rating that's based on them losing obviously but if they're losing the way that they are because justin fields isn't running but it's not because justin fields is like missing a leg like justin fields could start running at any time. In fact, we saw that last year. Now, again, as we talked about before, once he started running, they didn't actually win any football games outside of, you know, what the upset, I guess, against the Patriots. Mm -hmm. He just, he, it just looked better, right? It just like was games are closer. They were more interesting. Yeah. He was a fantasy football darling, et cetera, et cetera. So like that switch could get flipped at any time, I guess, is the sort of like be prepared for that switch to get flipped. Now, is it against the Chiefs where you want to flip that switch or do you want to just kind of keep trying out what you're going to try out here, knowing that you've got something of a winnable game against Denver at home next week where like that might be the you know time to sort of let him loose again. I don't know why he hasn't been running. I'm, I want to give credit to like the defenses and sort of, you know, we picked the, you know, I was on the Buccaneers last week because of the idea that their linebackers, their veteran linebackers and their game plan is going to be spy on Justin Fields, keep him in the pocket, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know whether they actually did that other than looking at the box score to see that he ran three times for like four yards. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was either because of the Bucks defense or because the bears just refused to do it. So again, point is if they flip the switch here and he starts running, then they can keep this game reasonable. And when I say reasonable, I talk about like a, 24 14 27 17 type deal here but we got to see that before we sort of make that bet that it's going to happen yeah no nope. totally makes a whole lot of sense there and i think we're in a scenario here with justin fields where you're now in the matrix of the couch potato quarterbacks that are screenshotting things to make it even worse and so, do you know what I mean? As bad as it is, I'm just saying it looks 10 times worse because someone could take a screenshot and be like, hey, look, that guy's wide open. What are you looking at? 
You know, when like, what does that yeah. really mean? Dan Orlovsky did a really nice job on ESPN this week, and he broke down a couple of different plays where it was like he sees a guy wide open, he's just not throwing it, and mm-hmm. then other instances where he's just staying on the wrong side of the field. And so there's like there's a couple of different issues there, but none of them have to do with him running per se, right? Which yeah, to me is yeah, the yeah. fundamental issue on whether they can kind of keep drives together, they can put up some field goals when they were normally punting, or maybe mm-hmm. turn some you know field goals into touchdowns. And shouts to Dan Orlovsky because, like, hey, my beef is not with the, hey, here's a full breakdown as to what's wrong with Justin Fields. Mine is, you know, the picture that gets taken and shared on social media as if, like, you can't take a picture of anything for a split-second frame and be like, hey, look how wide open this guy is, right? So, anyways, bottom line, we're on the – well, I'm on the Chiefs, minus 12.5. Look for that number to continue climbing as we get closer to Sunday's action. Speaking of big lines, we got the Cowboys laying 12 points on the road in Arizona. Even as I look at this and my pick of Dallas laying the 12 points, I don't even like myself laying the 12 points on the road. But I had to talk myself into the fact that Dallas might just be real like super real and where the cards have been spicy through two weeks. It's been a cute story because it's like, Hey, they're not as bad as we thought they were Dallas. As I like to say is a different weight class than anything that the cards have seen so far. This is a big boy spread. Again, I don't like laying the points. Hey, I've said this before on this pod, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm laying 12 points here with the cards or sorry, with the Dallas Cowboys, pardon me. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to hear your take on this kind, sir. Well, so it's interesting, right? Like, and I don't usually reference like the summer point spreads, right? Like that were sort of projected throughout the entire season, because obviously like things change. But I think the interesting thing here is like, what has changed? And so in the summer, Dallas at Arizona week three, uh, Dallas was six and a half point favorites. Ooh. In the summer, we thought Arizona was going to be the worst team in the league. Interesting. And now, what can you say about Arizona? And it's like, oh, they're probably the worst team in the league, but like, <laughs> maybe they're not, right? And so, so the point is, is like, they we still have to look. We're, we, like, we haven't downgraded Arizona, no, right? Because we already had them super far down. Like you can only get so much lower than like already at the worst team in the league with a, you know, four, you know, a win, uh, win total. And we are six, five and a half points, six points clear of that number, which is entirely based on the Cowboys going up because the Cardinals, like I said, their rating is stabilized as garbage. And if anything, by the way, like the Cardinals rating has gone up because of they've, you know, covered in two games, by the way, yeah. right? So, like, we're we're just assuming they're stayed put as a crappy team instead of, like, getting, you know, sort of an improved uh, look, so to speak. So, all that is to say, like, I bet the Cardinals, uh, just a regular bet, nothing insane, uh, when it was 13 earlier on in the week. So, like, this has <laughs> fallen, this has come down from 13 to 14, or 13 to 12, I should say. And I know I just railed on people for having no chill and betting the bears plus 13 instead of waiting to see who would go 14. Yeah. So that's, how, that tells you where sort of, I think of this, right. Where I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think there was any chance this was going to 14 for a road favorite, you know? And I realized the Cowboys will probably have more fans in the stands in Arizona. Like that's kind of been a thing over, you know, 
basically NFL history. Um, so, you know, I'm content with just taking that Arizona plus 13. I don't think they're going to win the game necessarily, but I think that this Cowboys, the excitement about the Cowboys, and listen, I'm on, again, I am pro Cowboys this season. This is not an anti-Cowboys thing, I promise you. I make quite a bit of money if they are successful this season to a championship. I just think this is, I mean, listen, 13 was too many points, as evidenced by the fact that it's 12 now. I think 12 is still too many points. I would sort of be interested in the Cardinals to like 11, you know, plus 11 still kind of works for me in like a 21 to 10, you know, 31 to 20 type football game. No, I got you. I got you. By the way, I think, I think Josh Dobbs is getting, will get better every week. I think he got better from week one to week two, which is why we were interested in the Cardinals, thought they could win outright. I think a 20-point lead, 21-point lead was indicative that we weren't necessarily wrong. It's just Shouts it's, to the early cash out. Got to give a shout out to the oh, early Oh, mega payout. shouts to the early cash out for all the people who know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. Which I would love to expound upon further, but I think I would get tased. If I yeah, we, I, I understand. As, as I said earlier in the pod, real ones know, right? The real ones know. And we'll just leave it there. Sunday night football. As we switch gears here, Sunday night football, we got the Steelers at the Raiders. Raiders at home. It's two and a half point favorites. I am leaning on the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road here. There's very little from the Raiders that I've seen that has me laying, has me taking them to lay points against anyone. And the Steelers defense meet Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Meet the Steelers defense. I feel like Jimmy G will be seeing a lot of your man's uh, TJ Watt during this game on Sunday night. And if there's a QB that's loose with the football, it's Jimmy G. So for that reason, don't have to talk me into taking the Pittsburgh Steelers too much here. I get it. The Raiders are at home. I understand all that primetime game. I know that the Steelers offense is not that good. But this is a bet on the Steelers' defense versus Jimmy G. Give me those points. Yeah, and I, and I can't disagree with you conceptually um, because we just watched the Steelers' defense basically single-handedly win a game. But again, I'm watching that game going like, man, if we can just get out of this like with the Steelers' win, I promise I'll never bet on the Steelers again, right? <laughs> it's like one of those type of deals. Oh, yeah. It's like, please, like I, you know, I've made a huge mistake backing the Steelers. Just something happened and then of course the ball comes loose and tj watts like scooping it up and running it back and you know looking like a tailback uh out on the open field he's doing the prime time the coach prime. yeah and then he hits you at the prime so my first inclination was okay i don't want anything to do with the steelers this week short week sunday night football in las vegas and you can you know obviously you have have the jimmy g scar tissue and all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but this line open plus one uh, Raiders plus one, Ooh. and I was delighted to bet on the Raiders Ooh. in that instance. Okay. And okay. that's again, that's easy to say because if the number was still plus one, like how good would I feel about it? Like obviously, the fact that this has moved to Raiders minus two and a half from Raiders plus one in the two days, you know, day and a half since is indicative that like, yeah, it was a really good bet. And is this going to close three? Like, what's the contest line going to be? Like, do I want to lay points with the Raiders, even though it is still under a field goal? All of those questions are sort of theoretically good. I'll just sit here with my plus one on the Raiders and be like pretty content with it. Except I do really like the Raiders in this spot because Mm -hmm. the Steelers offense, again, like has not shown me anything. At least the Raiders have stuff. 
right? Like Josh Jacobs could actually have a breakout game here at some point, right? And again, it's not like the Steelers' run defense was particularly good because they wiped out Nick Chubb and then another random dude out of Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati Bearcat, you know, just runs out on the field and like he goes for 100 yards, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, Josh Jacobs could do that. And like Devontae Adams and all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I just think like the Steelers offense and like, we know, and it's not like, Oh, what's wrong with the Steelers offense? Like, this is weird. Like they're booing Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, like off the field, because this has been like a pervasive thing for three years with this Steelers offense. They're running yeah. back. Najee Harris is not good. Right. Deontay Johnson. Like, I don't know if he's he out again this week. I'll have to double check that, but honestly, I'm not sure I care because outside of like, you know, it's honestly, it's like the Jets offense with Zach Wilson. Like, unless you're getting a George Pickens, like, 70-yard touchdown splurge, like, it, it, the rest of it just kind of isn't happening. Yeah. And so, like, I do trust Jimmy G more than I trust the miscreant on the, on the Browns. Because, like, I don't think he's going to get strip-sacked the way that that guy does did right and i'm you know honestly it wasn't really necessarily watson's fault that 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 first interception happened right pops out of the guy's hands ends up right yeah. in another guy's hands right etc etc right so that was kind of bad luck from like a getting seven point standpoint for them great luck for us on the steelers but like i love the steelers when it's like rally around mike tomlin right like we talked about the dan campbell thing i don't like the steelers when it's like we just won on monday night which like they always do and then now we go on the road against a team that got blown out last week. Like the Raiders still have some pride. They have a victory this season. Like they might not be that bad. Whereas like the Steelers, honestly, like as much as I thought highly of them coming into this season, like there's nothing they've shown me has been like, oh, this team like is exactly who I thought they were going to be. This They've just been disappointing essentially all season long. So thrilled to have the Raiders plus one and would play the Raiders at minus two and a half if, if chosen. I don't want anything to do with the Steelers in this game. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I will admit my emotions towards Jimmy G. I will admit it. I'm going to admit it. I'm, I'm being honest here. And if, if we can be something here on this pod, let it be honest. So I'm on the I'm on the Steelers plus two and a half in okay. this game, right? I'm being honest here, being honest. Moving forward here, we got the Eagles. Monday night, we got two Monday night games yet again. And we got the Eagles laying five points on the road in Tampa Bay. This one, okay. The Bucks have looked all right so far, but it's not like they've played anyone that spectacular, but they've sure. surpassed our expectations, right? I'm leaning on taking the Bucks as the home dogs and the plus five points here, but I got to be honest, I don't really like it. The Eagles offense hasn't looked the same as it has in years past. But still, as mentioned last week, they were up big against the Vikings. And now you're talking about Thursday night to Monday night. That's a lot of rest here. I can easily be talked into switching this pick here into the Eagles, but the principles of the home dog, this is where I'm, I'm reminding myself here where I feel like normally people are going to jump on the Eagles, hammer the Eagles, hammer the Eagles, where the Bucks defense is sitting there like, hey, we're still here. We're still pretty good. It's not going to be easy pickings for the Eagles offense. That, that has looked all right, but I'm not forgetting the arguments going on on the sidelines. I'm not forgetting that in a game <laughs> that they were winning. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take the points with the Bucks. I don't really like it, though. I'm being honest with you. No, okay. 
I, I'm with you. I think the Buccaneers can win this game. Um, Ooh, I think okay. it's, it is worth mentioning when this reopened, you know, at six and a half, this is another one where nobody had any chill and, uh, <laughs> people were grabbing that six and a half, ripping it down to six. And I was like, well, maybe we'll go back to six and a half. Nope. Went like directly to five, basically like with five and a half, five. And yeah. so, you know, and then there's been some sort of little bit back and forth. Like there might be some sixes available out there at this point. I'm. I'm pretty much just waiting for six. And of course that means waiting until Monday night because obviously we have that extra day. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you. I think the Jalen hurts, like I shouldn't say everybody because we'll see, but the whole like running the football plan with Jalen hurts, like, you know, these teams have had an off season to realize that there's a lot more mobile quarterbacks than there used to be. There's a lot yeah. more mobile quarterbacks than there are non-mobile quarterbacks, or at least sort of it's, that's that's kind of how it feels like, right? So your defense has to kind of be like prevent the, the running quarterback, um, you know, as kind of a top priority where it didn't used to be the case. And you kind of used to like be like, okay, well, let's just kind of make sure we keep them in the pocket. Now you got to be ready for like actual like runs and keepers and all of that kind of stuff. And I think the Buccaneers defense, while they haven't necessarily had to deal with that, I mean, we talked about the idea that like maybe that, they were dissuading Justin Fields from running, or maybe the bears were self dissuading. I don't really know, but like, at least they faced a guy who's explosive from, you know, a running standpoint last week. Yeah. And then outside of just throwing deep ball after deep ball and kind of hoping for the best. I'm not loving necessarily what I'm seeing out of Jalen hurts from a throwing perspective. Right. And like, Agreed. yeah, they got that 20 point lead. And like, yes, also the coach doesn't seem to understand when you're supposed to go for two, which means like a wacky wonky number, like five becomes important. Right. And so like this that number was the most frustrating thing last week, it was just, it was baffling. The whole thing was baffling. And so my, uh, the market ratings based on point spreads, obviously that have, have happened because the Eagles were brought down the way that they were from a rating standpoint because of the injuries then yeah, like this number is 5.3 basically from a market standpoint. So you can see why people just on that alone would be interested in the Buccaneers plus six and a half. My ratings that are, you know, I think pretty much in lockstep. I mean, I probably have the Eagles rated a little bit higher necessarily in the market, but I have the Buccaneers rated even higher than sort of like way higher, I should say, than the market. So my numbers come out to 4.2 for the Bucks, right? So like directionally, I'm still interested in the Buccaneers, home underdog, uh, again, an Eagles team that I think I'm going to be fading probably a fair amount here, especially giving points on the road or mm -hmm. giving more than a touchdown at home. And I think the Buccaneers have a chance to win this game too. And okay. I'll be on the Bucks uh, on the spread and the money line. Oof, I like it. I like it. You, you, you made me feel a lot more comfortable with this pick here. And I like that. I like that side of the pot. I, I like when we, we see things the same way. We'll wrap things up with one more yeah. Monday night football game. And that being the Rams at the Bengals, Cincinnati, two and a half point favorites at home. The Rams, they looked good. They stuck with San Francisco, who many believe are one of the top teams in the league. The Rams, I mean, they held serve for the majority of that game. It was a weird one at the end with the weird backdoor cover, kicking a field goal down 10 with no time left on the clock. I get all that. We're moving on to this week. And I got to say, this isn't really about the Rams for me. 
I'm on the Bengals laying the two and a half points. And I'm going to be honest, this is just a show me game. Like if you're the Bengals and you Joe Burrow are supposed to be who you're supposed to be, you can't be 0 and three. And I think that you got to show up in this game, Monday night football at home against a Ram team, a Rams team. That's pretty good, but you, you got to get up for that game. At 0 and two, you got to get up for that game. This is more of a show me pick in terms of picking the Rams here because if they don't, or sorry, in terms of picking the Bengals, pardon me, because yeah. if the Bengals don't do it now, I don't know what this season is. Down 0-3 in the tough AFC, oof, it's going to be a big fight the whole way. So give me the Bengals laying the two and a half points. Well, and and you said it right, you know, with show me or show up, and the answer and the question is, is Joe Burrow going to play in this game? Because mm-hmm. this line was this line opened six and a half on Sunday night without the sort of understanding that Joe Burrow was going, you know, whether he's going to play or not. Okay. And to me, this is a line indicating that Joe Burrow is not going to play, or at least it certainly does not look like Joe Burrow is going to play. Because, like, I mean, put it this way, right? Like the from a market rating standpoint, right, the same betting market that made the Bengals three point favorites against the Ravens at home. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, just look at it like that way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Three, yeah. three against the Ravens, two and a half against the Rams suggest that the Rams are better than the Ravens. Well, no, right? <laughs> like Correct. obviously not, which means the Bengals have to come down. But that market that suggests that, okay, full squad Bengals team against the Ravens last week, like what would the number be in this game? I have it closer to eight. Interesting. Okay. Right. And if you downgrade the Bengals because they have lost both games, then, okay, that's where you get sort of a six and a half. Mm-hmm. That's where it opened. And and again, mm-hmm. I tripped and stumbled around and didn't take it because, again, I was like, well, maybe we'll get seven. Not knowing that the burrow injury was as bad as it seems like it's as it is to literally wake up the next morning and be like, oh, it's two. Now, my next move was, all right, where is the Joe Burrow is out for a week or two with his with the calf injury tweet? Like, where is the Schefter, you know, when you see like five different organizations send the same tweet uh, in five seconds? Like, where is that? Like, that hasn't come yet. So you could be betting the Bengals right now at minus two. And then Joe Burrow plays, at which point the line's going to go back up, maybe not to six and a half necessarily, but like a three and a half or a four, something along those lines. So that's a good reason to bet the Bengals. The other good reason to bet the Bengals is our favorite little game here. What happens when a quarterback is, you know, starting quarterback is out? Where do you put that line? Like what has to happen for this line to be where it is? And so this is a line of a Bengals team that is a 50 out of 100. Are the hmm. Bengals a 50 out of, are they a flat average team with, <laughs> with Jake Browning, who is the backup quarterback, by the way, for those who didn't know, with Jake Browning in the lineup against the Rams, are they an average team? Because that's what this line indicates. Now, if Browning is in and Burrow is out, maybe the rating goes down even further, putting them into the below average category, at which point the line goes down below and you're getting a sort of a pick type situation with the Bengals. And honestly, I would be interested in the Bengals there too, because again, I rather bet on Jake Browning at a wildly depressed price then bet on the Rams on the assumption that the Bengals are just going to automatically be completely useless without Joe Burrow, right? They're hmm. obviously not going to be good necessarily with Joe Burrow, but an 0-2 team back against the wall, everybody else plays better, blah, 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 all those cliches. That's a team that I want to be betting on. I just, I just know that right now it's kind of like I can bet it now and maybe Joe Burrow plays and I get a better number. 
or, or like the number I'm ha getting a better number now than I would be when it's announced that he plays or I'm getting a bad number when Jake Browning gets involved. And I think, but the O and two element matters here because it's not like they're two and O and they can sit Joe Burrow for a week to like exactly give him rest. Right. So yeah. it's actually this really interesting game and they have the extra day. So it's not like you can sort of make these, you know, definitive plans or whatever by Thursday, Friday, or even Saturday, or honestly, even Sunday, because the reality is it's probably going to be like a game time decision type of situation where like, we'll see where he's at because it just kind of has been a thing where it's like, yeah, he's not a hundred percent, but blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, is it costing them games? Maybe, but maybe he's still better than Jake Browning, even though he's kind of sort of half hobbling around out there. So really interesting game. Maybe it's wait if Jake Browning is in and the line goes to pick him or better, you take the Bengals. Maybe it's wait and if Joe Burrow is in, the line goes up over three and a half, up to four, up to four and a half, maybe six. Then it's take the Rams. So I think mm. it's you can bet either side, but I would want the Bengals at a depressed number with Browning and I would want the Rams at the sort of original or close to original number here. Um, as a as a way better underdog than they are now so kind of an impossible thing to do i wouldn't disagree with you now because i think there's two ways that you win this bet um on cincinnati minus two and a half right now right with them still winning with jake browning as the quarterback or burrow coming back um playing and them them winning but i think from the best bet you can possibly make is wait until monday to see what sort of shakes down at the quarterback position in the market yeah that's a tough one i think that you know if joe burrow if I'm making the odds and I'm, you know, just basing this on the fact that the things that you mentioned that stand out to me the most, the Bengals being at 0 2, and if there's a chance that Burrow can play, he strikes me as a dude that's going to say, I'm playing, and yeah. they're just going to listen to him. And he's going to go out there and he might not be healthy, mm -hmm. right? He might not be 100%, yeah. but he knows the importance of not going 0 3 in that division and in that conference and what that will mean going forward. So, wow, lots to pay attention to there. Lots to keep in touch with as we move forward, heading into the action, not only Thursday, but Sunday as well. And when all that news breaks and happens, my friend, where can the good people find you to get more of the information and education that we so crave yeah and this is a perfect example right because i'm not going to have anything on this rams bengals thing on thursday friday saturday or sunday but we will have an article on monday morning about the two monday night football games in the same way that we did last week over at the score you've got the app fire up the betting section the news uh go into news on the far left side there's a little bet tab everything that i write is over there and obviously follow me on twitter at mrusauthentic and everything that I write gets retweeted through there as well. So Monday morning, we'll have both those Monday night football games, the best bets, and hopefully a better idea on what's going on with the Bengals quarterback situation. And that bet will be included, hopefully, again, assuming some sort of knowledge between now and then, um, that bet will be included in that article. Yeah, hopefully you're, the people listening to this are checking out all the info because there's lots of winners being handed out there, whether it's prop bets, whether it's a round robin money line parlay, lots going on there as always. And if you listen to this whole pod, thank you as well. Make sure you follow along. I'm on the app formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Check out there's a clutch picks pod. Uh, 
accounts, both on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Follow along there for clips and, you know, just picks throughout the week between the pod and between when the games start as well. Thank you for liking and subscribing to this new venture that is the Clutch Picks podcast because we appreciate it. Again, the record's been all right so far, and the goal is to try to keep that train moving. So thank you to those who have been along for the ride as well. And as I always say, my name is Sheldon Alexander. And he's afraid for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Clutch Picks Sport Betting Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Till next time. See ya.